Since time immemorial, human beings have stared up at the stars and asked the unanswerable questions. Why am I here? What is the nature of the cosmos? What is the meaning of life? Are we alone in the universe? Will DC ever make movies as well as Marvel? How exactly did Megatron shrink? Is a detailed backstory for your first level halfling wizard even How worth it? How many muscular men with pageboy haircuts lived on Eternia if they couldn't figure out that Prince Adam was He-Man? Who is going to play Alabama for the championship this what year? What does God need with a starship? Prepare your ear holes for a podcast dedicated to the philosophical quandaries of pop culture. An audio thunderdome. Two nerdy friends enter. Only one shall be victorious. This is I'm Right, and he's Rob. Hi, and welcome to a podcast that some people have decried as a human rights violation. Uh... Decried? Decried, yeah. They've they've decried, that's the verb, meaning that they've said to authorities, if you make us listen to this, you're violating our human rights. There's a lot of that going on lately. Yeah, like an invasion uh, of a a country. Uh, Rob, uh, we start every episode with uh, uh, a apology, uh, a uh, an act of contrition, a, a pointing out of omissions that we did. Now, last time we're not going to have any problems because we made up crossovers, right? That's very true. That's true, we, and we I did not think of any since then. You you thought of no crossovers since then? No, I I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. All right. Yeah. Have you? Uh, well, I mean, really, we could have Scooby Dude with just about anybody. Yeah, Scooby Doo yeah. and Buffy would have been fun. Scooby Doo and Ghostbusters might have been a better one than mine. The idea I, of Scooby and the gang thinking it's a guy in a, like the, the the interplay of Scooby and the gang saying it's just a guy in a mask and the Ghostbusters being like ghosts are real that might actually be pretty funny. Did you see the episode of Supernatural where they Scooby Doo? Yeah, it's the only it's the only uh, episode, episode of Supernatural you've that it I was can pretty remember. fun. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh was all a dream right or something like that uh no it would it ended up being like a ghost that pulled them into a tv i see yeah it just happened to be scooby-doo yeah Uh, i mean obviously scooby and buffy because didn't buffy call themselves the scooby gang kind of they and they felt like it no a little more mystical but well, I mean, obviously, but I think they referred to themselves as the Scooby Gang. The hardest part about uh, having an adventure group is naming your adventure group, Rob. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. So I think we're done with that part. Yes. So let's get into the introductions. My name is Monty Ike, and with me, as always, he's the delirious to my wild and crazy guy. He's the evening at the improv to my night at the Apollo. He's the take my wife, please. To my seven deadly, uh, wor- seven deadly words. Uh, Not dead. Did I put? Did I write? De- I deadly? think it's, it's seven, supposed to be it's dirty, dirty, dirty words. Dirty you word. said dead, seven deadly. I think you were thinking sins. Uh, the seven dirty words that you can't uh, say on TV. Uh, he's my best friend, Rob Bloom. Uh, Rob, I have a feeling we're talking about stand-up comedy this episode we are talking stand-up comedy see this was a blind episode i did not give monty any kind of warning before we started recording of what this was going to be about and i wanted i wanted monty to have a blank slate coming into it and what were the comedians that popped right into his head that was super important how many how many Um, oh i i think we can you know do five each but i mean okay it's gonna be hard and yet easy at the same time, I, I, I just feel like, who is your Mount Rushmore of comedy? Uh, okay, yeah. So I don't necessarily have to say this is an important comedian. To right? you. Important, important to, to you. Important to me. Okay. All yes. Right. That's, honestly, that was really the angle I was wanting. Like, we could debate who the greatest stand-up comedians are and i would have a less important take than you would because obviously this is something you've studied all your life in its own way but i still (laughs) but i can still say that i've i've watched and and listened to and memorized many comedians stand-ups too so i I figure 
Yeah, no. I want I want your I wanted your gut reaction the my same way gut, I did that. Yes, my gut reaction of uh of comedians that I've always loved and enjoyed and I am excited about and uh mm-hmm. that's 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 good. And and I'm right now uh you need to vamp for a second so I can finish my list and try to decide where I'm at, okay? Okay. Well, I I know that I don't know if I should come up with a list myself because I feel like obviously we're going to have some, you know, some that, or I shouldn't say obviously, because there may be some comedians that I will not think of, but I have a list of, of, you know, the relevant ones that we can discuss later. I'm, I think more, I just want to hear what your top five with very little preparation, what your top five are, and then we can discuss those top five. Yeah. All right. So first off, I want to say something that is uh, right off the bat going to make everyone's ass pucker. Five years ago, Bill Cosby would have been on this list. He's not I on this don't, list now. I, 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 He's um, not on this list now. I think he would if you if you wipe away Bill Cosby, the man, but you go to his the act. He was his I, act. But I, I, I look, I look, I know that there's a documentary that separates what Bill Cosby meant for black comedians versus Bill Cosby now and the, the dangerous. Oh, truth. and he was an atrocious man. I yeah, mean, I get all that. But like for me right now, uh, I've decided I, I, I don't know if I I loved Bill Cosby growing up. I don't think sorry, I left my ringer on. Uh, I don't think I can. I don't think I'm at a place yet where I can fully say that's fair. Bill Cosby's that's fair. Act is we so both agree that, that I, it was an impactful to our youth. And yeah, and 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 well, you're talking to a guy who uh, who who listened to his albums. You know, I mean, I listen. It's not just himself, the Cosby Show. Himself, Bill Cosby himself, I have memorized. Yeah, I, I mean, that loved. Himself. I, I I listened to those albums as a kid, and uh, and so. Yeah, it's uh, so. Does that mean like you would knock a Louis C.K. off your list then too? Um. Yeah. Look, Louis C.K. is great, but I think the thing about me and Louis C.K. was I always felt like Louis C.K. and I, uh, we we had very like I I felt when I was trying really hard a few years ago to get into stand up comedy, I always felt like oh, Louis C.K. already does this bit mm-hmm. because I was a guy with. You know, I was this gross schlub of a man with two daughters, and a lot of the things I t- like, he 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 did this whole bit about folding panties and like how he never envisioned himself folding panties, and and that was exactly I was like, oh shit, that's exactly kind of how I think, you know, or, or whatever. Um, Louis Louis C K Louis C K is great, but I think that if I trace the line, I can get to George Carlin through Louis C K, and I think it's okay saying George Carlin. Um, so let me just start by saying George Carlin first and foremost. George Carlin is your number five. He's not, and this is this is the weirdest thing. I don't know if I can go one or two or the that's, most impactful. That's fine. I just George Carlin definitely for me is a root. George Carlin is both dirty but insightful. He does very smart comedy that's also a little bit dirty. I think the biggest thing about George Carlin is the thing that I remember most about George Carlin is this idea of I do an act, I do a special, I get rid of that act. George mm-hmm. Carlin doesn't have a greatest hits of jokes. George Carlin has an active roster, and then when he puts that thing on tape and it goes onto HBO, it's gone. It's done. It's yeah. never done again. You you've seen that it's done. I am uh, George Carlin taught a lot of people this idea of, uh, including Louis C.K. and I remember quoting this article Louis C.K. did when George Carlin um, was honored by I think the New York Public Library. George Carlin's daughter had Louis C.K. come in. And and it was great because Louis C.K. first and foremost said, here's what I learned about the craft from George Carlin. And one of the things Louis C.K. talked about was the fact that George Carlin was always writing new material. He was always working on the next hour. And as a comedian, I think that's really impactful. A lot of times people wrote these jokes. They'd go back to these chestnuts. Uh, the difference between a stand-up and a band is you want to hear the old stuff of the band, the things that make you nostalgic. I don't want to hear the same jokes from a comedian. I always mm-hmm. want that comedian making new material. So George Carlin, to me, <clears throat> very influential on a lot of those levels. Intellectual, but dirty, because he understood... I mean, I love how we we teach Shakespeare, and Shakespeare has so much ass humor in it. 
you understand that you can be both very, very intellectual and dirty because even intellectuals are dirty. It's basic mm-hmm. human thought, right? Mm-hmm. Sex, shit, these are fundamental human things. And if you pretend like they don't exist in your comedy, then you're crazy. So yeah. George Carlin definitely in there is there. Uh, let me w- let me weigh in on George Carlin. You and I actually saw him at yeah. the Orpheum. At the Orpheum, one of my favorite things. Yeah. I want to say we were seniors in high school yes. approximately. Maybe, maybe it, it had to be senior year. You remember that we were re- so far in the back, so far oh. away from George Carlin that if we leaned our heads back, we hit a wall. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and not, remember- and not on the bottom floor. <laughs> I do remember when we left, we had the conversation that this was later in his career, pretty close to when he died, uh, that he got very preachy, where it did feel yeah almost almost too political at the end there. That- right? Yeah, he had the, he had this he had this yeah he had this part where he got really preachy. Uh, I saw him again, Rob, before he died in Las Vegas, maybe three or four years later when I was in college. Uh, Melissa and my friend Jesse Treacle and my friend Lindsay uh, Weiss uh, were all at this uh, convention, or you know, for whatever reason we were there, and uh, and we we lucked into getting tickets at, at for George Carlin, and they were like, I kid you not, the front table. You know how in oh, in wow. Las Vegas you've got tables, right? Yes, yeah. So we were ostensibly like fourth row. Uh, I mean, there were only four people in front of me. We were in a table. There were uh, a group of people ahead, you know, at the front of the table, and we were in the back. I don't remember how much this cost, but I know I had no money. So it must have been super cheap, and I don't know why we got these tickets. Maybe it was because Mel and Lindsay were cute enough. Maybe it was because this guy was like, you know, this is a chance for these fucking kids to see something amazing. You know, I don't know, but great fucking seats. Um, great. How was the season. show? Uh, exactly the same as like how I would, how when you remember new stuff. Uh, but I mean, I think he he started it with how come the only people who complain about abortions are the kind of people you would want to fuck anyway, which is an old chestnut of his. But it's the kind of thing that, as I think he's actually talked about, he, he does. It's almost a barometer. What what is this crowd going to be like? And that's a good judge of that. If there's more ooze than laughter, I know that this is going to be. But I can go this way yeah, or this, this way. way. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there yeah, there were some preachy parts, some parts that maybe weren't as funny, um, but preachy. Um, and uh, but yeah, still like, you know, still Carlin, man. Still. Yeah. I, I still got to see an act before it got on HBO. And that was super cool. So, yeah. Was he the first host or the first yeah, uh, for he was he was the host of Saturday Night Live, right? The very first. Uh, actually, I think Candace Bergen is the first host of Saturday Night. Or guest but he was host. on the first. Yeah, he he was yeah, very was early on. Carlin was in it, and I think the other thing you got to look at Carlin is when you look at his whole career. Um, take a look at um, take a look at his whole career, and you can see that uh, he. Uh, he starts out as a like a regular '50s Catskill comedian. He's very clean cut, wears a you know sport coat and a tie, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then he just really gets fed up. Uh, and, and you know, cynical people would say, "Oh, he saw that counterculture was the way to go." I don't think that's the case. I think George Carlin, the intellectual, saw what these you know what people were doing in counterculture, saw the themes that they were picking at, and saw these things and said, "You know what? That's right. That's where I want to be." That's the kind of material mm. I want to do, and that's the kind of person I want to be. And I also heard he was a very issue. giving comedian. That he was a, a very embracing of new up and coming comedians and checked in. And yeah, because I, I, I listened to a podcast that where comedians talk about how they came up, and mm-hmm. everybody says great things about Carlin. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing about Carlin: probably one of the reasons why he was so good to other comedians is no one can do George Carlin's act. Yeah, that voice is so singular, man. No one can do that act. No one can. You can't. You can't crib a Carlin joke. It just would be impossible. Everyone immediately would go like, "That does. That sounds like fucking George Carlin." Um, you know, that's that's the thing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'm gonna do an opening salvo of uh, of of George Carlin, um, and then um, I'm having trouble 
on some things here. Like it, it gets it, this is it gets a little weirder for me too. Well, if you end up like uh, yeah, because like I said, I don't know if five. I can do. Yeah. Like, you know, just do it. Do you know? Basically, I want your stand-up comedian, and I don't. I yeah. don't want like you know actors or I mean. No, no, no. They, These are stand-ups. These are fucking stand-ups. Stand-up. And and specifically, I want people on here that are. are are famous for holding a microphone and telling jokes and that's yes and and for you i mean like maybe there's some that are on you know society stand up but maybe didn't have an impact on you i, I, mean, I will tell you right now here i'll go to my next one here and this is one that maybe isn't like as well known but i love him dana Gould. uh dana Gould, oh yeah, uh, yeah i know who he is I, yeah uh, i'm he, shocked he's on your your oh no i saw him very early on I want to say like a half hour comedy hour, something back in the nineties, you know, one of those things on, on comedy central or HBO might even been the HBO young comedian special or something like that. But he did this bit where he got a chair and he played people in the audience watching him do jokes. And he kept going back to this. Well, and I loved it so much. And it's not the same as like Gaffigan does something similar. Gaffigan throughout most of his. I know what you're talking about. Or Gaffigan does the whiny voice. Like, oh, is he going to do he that? Do, what is he doing yeah. that for? That thing. No. Yes. No. Yes. Uh, Dana, Gould, uh, Dana Gould did this bit where like he full on sat down. But Dana Gould was one of these uh, 90s comedians um, for me uh, out of Boston who, who first started to really tap into and and I'm picking him maybe over Patton Oswalt. Like the longer you give me, the harder this becomes because I, I understand think because they, then they're going to start popping in your head. Right. And so Patton Oswalt is you can do, you is, can do is honorable f- mention yeah. when we're done with your five because okay. then I know there's going to be more than five. Yeah. So Patton obviously is is it should be in here somewhere, but like Dana Gould to me starts doing this even before Patton gets famous, and that is really highlighting the nerdiness. Really highlighting his own nerdiness in his act and and going with those things. Like, this is a guy who, um, in Stand Against Evil is a series that he wrote, uh, right? And very, very fucking funny. It was on FX, I think, for a while. Um, it's very funny. He, he, he's also, uh, he, he rewrote Plan 9 for Outer Space as like an homage. Uh, like, it was like this crazy, like, he took like a, you know, when people do like these read throughs, you know, that you see, he he did one like that, except like he built riffs into it. Like he made a okay. self-aware reading of Plan 9 from Outer Space so that it wasn't just like uh, here we see on the like basically what it was is the characters in the film would have to explain the weirdness going on in the film instead of just having like a narrator go and now what appears to be a pie pin or pie tin on a string flies in front of a sheet, right? Instead of that, it would be like the car, the, the, the pilot who's like flying in being like, my gosh, it looks like a, a pipe in flying in on a sheet. Like he, he mm. added that. It was very funny. It was a very funny take on it. Dana Gould also, I think, um, you know, one of these guys who ran with the kind of people who did mystery science theater 3000, it's very much in that ilk, uh, mystery science, theater, mystery science theater 3000. I always talk about being one of the fundamental, fundamental, uh, formations of me comedy wise. It is one of the things that really, Obviously, this week is important to you right, for yeah. that. Very yeah, <laughs> for that, yeah. Uh, I I gave a lot of money to bring that show back again. Um, but uh, a lot of money for me, I should say. But um, uh, but yeah, Dana Gould, I think, is in that. I mean, he he's he's simpatico with that idea. Like I do. A had lot he of been improv- doing a lot of? Had he been doing a lot of comedy writing that I wouldn't realize he was behind the scenes for? Uh, I think he's written on The Simpsons. And okay. the I, you like. I know the name. I've seen him yeah. do stand up, but we're talking like 1985 is when yes. I, I remember yeah. him. And, and I that's what I'm saying. Him since. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, he there's actually I bought the film. He does this great sort of uh, uh, movie with Bobcat Goldthwait and him last year that was released. Uh, both of them were planning on doing sort of a um, a a road documentary of them on the road together doing stand up because they're good friends. Um, they started out not as good friends. They started out as rivals and, and they've grown closer and closer over the years or whatever. Um, but anyway, they were setting out to do this sort of documentary and then they got into a car accident. 
Uh, and so the documentary shifted slightly to talk a oh little bit about the car accident and stuff. And, and they're okay. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, hmm. you know, uh, it, it wasn't the, the biggest the biggest car accident or, or ever. But it's just one of those. It's also one of those great documentaries. I love, and I don't know why we haven't done a show on this. I love documentaries that start as one thing and then end as another. Like oh, the, yes. The yeah. concept is this, and then suddenly they go, oh. Well, it's because, the, yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah. of making this about clowns in New York, we should really talk about this family plagued with pedophile charges. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I love those kind of things. Anyway, this documentary started as one thing, and then very early on, they had this car accident. Everything changed, and so they they it became being uh, a lot different. But, yeah, Dana Gould, I think, is – is definitely on my list. Is of <laughs> I like would a, never have predicted that he was that important to you. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna stick on the nineties. We're gonna stick on the nineties here and talk a little bit about Bill Hicks. Okay. Okay. You remember Bill Hicks, right? Bill I Hicks know. Never... Bill Hicks is Bill Hicks is definitely one of those that's like you, you know him. You either yeah. know him or you don't know him. And if you do know him, you know how important he was for like I think a generation of communities. I think Gen Xers in general. Um, Bill Hicks is like uh, an amazing person. And uh, again, uh, erudite, kind of intellectual, but dirty, like like a little bit like Carlin, but like an angrier car, like a in your face anger. Uh, I feel like he was like he carrying the torch for Lenny Bruce type thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, uh, definitely. And I, I think, you know, again, you know, these what I liked about. uh Oh, hold on, I gotta write another one down because okay. it's come to my mind. Um, uh, yeah, d- what I like about just uncompromising. I'm shocked that Bill Hicks is on because you. If if I think I can see where you would emulate Dana Gould. Yeah. Oh, I but can't I emulate. Bill I Hicks, do not. Yeah. See, I no. don't see a, a Bill Hicks in your in the way you've been funny. I, and, I, I will say. I will say this. Uh, I'm very cognizant when people ask me, hey, why don't you do stand up? I'm very cognizant of the idea that I don't feel my voice is 100% unique. And I have a real hard time moving past the idea I'm just another overprivileged white guy with a microphone. And so, uh, so that's part of the reason I don't do stand up. I do improv and sketch mostly as the vehicle for my, my humor. Uh, because, uh, and, and riffing and, and that sort of thing, I, because I believe that, that I can, it's just the jokes and it doesn't matter my voice in a way. Like I can be a character. I can have a sense of things. Like I, if you've watched enough of me doing improv, you can, you can see a through line. I think you see, you see me poking fun at tropes. You, you see me actively turning things on, on their end always always pushing a very liberal agenda always trying to lampoon the people that I think get away with things a lot more never taking myself completely seriously never even taking what I'm doing very seriously that's the reason why the fourth wall is always a completely um transparent thing uh for me and what I'm doing right like when I do mm-hmm. improv there's constant fourth wall breaks when I do sketches I write fourth wall breaks and sketches uh, if you give me enough time and enough leeway, um, that's what I kind of like to do. And I think it's because uh, I like deconstructing some things and, and doing it that way. Um, and I think, the, but the thing is, is I can look at Bill Hicks and see a master at work and know that I could never be Bill Hicks. Oh, sure. And yeah. it's because I, I, I mean, really, honestly, uh, I could try to be Bill Hicks, but I, I'm not going to start smoking and drinking and and doing all uh, like Bill Hicks's life was this sort of fuck you to like granola mm-hmm. and all these things mm-hmm. that, you know, like it's funny. He's liberal, but he hates hippies. And I loved that about him. That yeah, idea, yeah, like, yeah. I don't like sunshine and yoga and peace. Like, I'm he, angry and I want to fucking get in your face about what's wrong with this. Uh, this world. I feel like he is like Andrew Dice Clay. If. Andrew Dice Clay was a real person and not a cartoon of himself kind of thing. Yeah, where uh, there was anger, there was anger. Not that not not the comedian, not not his agenda, but like his presentation. I right. mean, where it was very I feel like I'm eating my words even as I'm saying it. Like I don't I think, think I understand what you're saying. Is exactly it's very much he, he had a very in your face presentation, but for him it's not an act. 
He's yes, that person. Yes. I, I always that's, imagine that's Bill really Hicks. what I'm trying to get. Like Bill Hicks, I think when you walk off stage would still be very Bill Hicks. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. There's so many comedians that I look at and I go, this person is super funny, like Anthony Jelinek. Super funny, and I'm pretty sure he's a dick like that off stage too. Like I get the strange feeling that Anthony Jelinek is just as much of a raging asshole. Like maybe he's like Nice. David Tell, I think, is 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 totally David Tell on stage. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a dick. He's he he's genuinely like well, he's, he comes he's off very kind of a dick. <laughs> I don't know. I think David Tell kind of comes off as 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 a big teddy bear when you get right down to it. Like he cares about things. He just doesn't care about certain things. I think being okay. like what it is is like there's a difference between being a dick and being rude. And I think some of these people are fair. rude. That's fair are rude, but not necessarily uh, an asshole. They're not doing it okay. out of malice. If anything, they're rude because they're looking at societal norms and saying, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And okay. should we? So, oh, yeah. So, more about Bill Hicks. What um, I remember earlier, Bill Hicks, he, he seemed a little more uptight. And then as he grew in popularity, his yeah. voice expanded a right. little bit. Yeah, and absolutely. Like he he started realizing like I, I it's a progression of power it's like he it's like Goku right he's getting more and more powerful he's getting yeah. more he's like finding the more his voice people and his are strength. listening to him the yeah. more strength and he gets he's getting yeah. more and more powerful and then you know like the the whole like he gets the last bit he does on Letterman doesn't even make the air because it's too it's too against oh, the grain I remember know? that yeah. I remember that so. uh but I, I think that's the I think that was the very powerful thing. Like my one of my favorite like when I was in college, man, I had I don't even remember is it I don't remember the name of his fucking album, but I it was one of his last albums and I, I played it over and over again. What I liked about it is what I always like about comedians is if you've when you have a voice and it's unique and different and it's your own and you ride that, like fucking Jim Gaffigan has his own voice. He does. He absolutely uh, and it's very does. funny. Mm-hmm. And like, I, mm-hmm. I never fault Jim Gaffigan like that guy. What I love about Jim Gaffigan, I will say this, too. I, I love when they're subversive. Watch Jim Gaffigan. Listen to Jim Gaffigan. Find out how subversive to white America Jim Gaffigan actually is when you watch that act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he gets fucking Republicans going to that show, buying that shit. And he. Uh huh. He lays it in there. And then he reels them in. Yeah. 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 He lays them in. I, and they don't even they don't even realize what he's doing half the different time. He'll and, make Catholic but, jokes against Catholic. Right. Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. It, it, I, I then it, hmm. one of his latest ones has that whole thing of like uh people I, say I why are you still Catholic? because uh, I don't want my wife to kill me. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> very I saw the joke. most recent one on Netflix yeah. and I loved it. It was yeah. it was great. So but like Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks is not a subversive in that he's very uh he's very he's very out there with his subvert like his thoughts are subversive he is not being subtly subversive he is being out there subversive and he's yeah, speaking yeah. he's speaking his truth i am still even though i like i understand what you respect and stuff i would not have guessed that this that bill hicks would be on your most important list that 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 is oh. surprising well, well there you go i mean i'm i'm all about surprising mm. you uh, uh, I, like, like, I can under like again it's like it's just knowing what i know about you and you know i was there for your early days with you know the okay players i know where your influences at least came from and in an extent but you know i'm not in your body and i haven't so when you mention certain comedians that it's like well i've never seen that influence on you so that's that's yeah. more where it's like oh well that's weird i would I, never I think have it's, thought that i i think that's well i mean okay so it's like this rob i mean you're you, as an artist right you there you probably oh, I, you probably have I influences understand where that it's coming from never but, never never show up in your work you just are influenced by their, you know, like, uh, you know. Sure. I, I hate to make it sound like this. Sometimes you're influenced by their bravery. Sometimes you're influenced That's, by their sure. ethic, you know, and all this other stuff. I'm just saying, like, I would never have predicted that to Ben on your list. And I almost think he seems like the anger I thought would have been a turn off to you, not a. And oh, so see, that, that's more why I was like, wow. And I, okay. I will tell you this, uh, Rob, I will share. <laughs> So (laughs) in the last year, my daughter's friends have taken sort of an interest in me as a comedian, right? Okay. 
And because of that, my daughter said to me, you know, my, my friends are starting to Google you. And I wow. immediately went to my old standups and marked them as private. <laughs> Cause I, I had like one or two videos on, on, uh, on YouTube that are like from when the girls were four or five, you know what I mean? This is 2010. This is 10 year old me. Oh, I had this whole standup about like, and I, I'm embarrassed by it now. I had this whole standup about like, uh, looking at porn when they like, because I was a stay at home dad for a little bit, right? Like, uh, I was basically like, you know, I would maybe work in the morning and then I would have the nights off, or I spent a lot of time unemployed during their early childhood. And I made, I made several jokes about like, you know, I put you on the school bus and then I'm like, well, what am I going to look up? I guess it's redheads today, whatever. You know, I mean, I made this sort of, and it to me, it's cringy now. And it's especially cringy that they're old enough to actually fucking listen. Understand what it, yeah. (laughs) And is it true? No, not all of it is true. I mean, there's some grains of truth, obviously, but it's not like it's it's that bad. But it's enough where I've like taken them down. But I will, I will tell you this: I think there is an anger in my in my comedy, and I think that anger just isn't the sort of yell at anger. It's a quiet rage. Or it's a it's an underlying rage. I, I will contend that I feel like there is a rage in my stuff. I rage against this or that. I I now when you look at like improv, it's a little bit different because with improv, I've got I've got partners, and and the partners add. And you're giving, you're feeding you're giving off each and other, receiving and, yeah. and giving and receiving. But also take a look at you know in my group, um, uh, in the Weisenheimers, a lot of different times the part I played was the flabbergasted one, right? <laughs> everyone else got to be, you know, a lot of times everyone else got to be the naive one or the um, mischievous one. And I played the the flabbergasted, I can't believe this is happening person. That was a lot of times, that was the role I would do. Now, occasionally I would get into it. I would get to do the other role. I'd get to be mischievous or I'd get to be naive or whatever, but you fall into these patterns. And like with, with the, the Weisenheimers, uh, Teresa and Cullen, they both like Cullen does naive better than anyone in the world. He just has this look and this, this feeling about him where he just sort of plays the lovable galoot, right? The, oh boy, I don't know, you know? And so he's making mistakes left and right, and I'm playing Desi Arnaz. What do you mean? You know, I'm like, why yeah, you yes. got some explaining to do? There, there's a lot of that that I, that, you know, I fall into. So, but I think there's a, I do think there's a little bit of a rage. I think there's, I think when I would make jokes about certain subjects, it was coming from an anger that I had, you know, um, a, a real anger that I had uh, about this or that, you know. I, I don't know where the anger was in my, oh, no, I, my I, porn I, one. But, I'm not saying that. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, I, I think Bill Hicks was angry, angry. And I like, you know, uh, the same with um, Lewis Black. Lewis Black comes off as angry, angry. I'm so utterly at the end of my tether with this bullshit. And that's what I'm telling you about, right? Whereas I was like, can you believe this bullshit? Can you fucking Mm -hmm. believe this bullshit? That's that's the Patton Oswalt to me, though. That's yes. Patton Oswalt does that, too. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, And um, okay, for my next one. Yes, let's go to the next one. This is this is a this is a hard one. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm I want to I want to pick a I want to pick a woman in here because I want to I want to I'm on I want to pick a woman and I want to pick uh, a woman that means something to me and I, I'm picking and there's a couple that like flashed in my mind but Paula Poundstone is the one that I'm going with here I liked Paula in her early days she uh, was so funny yeah Paula Poundstone's great um, uh, again. Uh, weirdness that goes in with Paula Poundstone, but I think Paula Poundstone. I don't me, remember what had happened to her. I I, uh, I knew it was some, uh, an abuse of some sort, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I honestly I think it it I don't think it's actually real. If I'm not mistaken, I think everything's was blown out. Uh, it was with her kids. You know, she's a um she's a lesbian and she had uh, adopted children and whatnot. And there were some allegations that maybe she was. 
um, not very kind or or whatever to her children or did some f- weird things with her children. That's... But I, I honestly think a lot of that um, came from um, a little bit of witch huntery of trying to find things because it all She's kind a lesbian. Of, yeah, I think it really started to come out when you know people started to realize Paula Poundstone was a lesbian. <laughs> so when when she was just an asexual being a very tall woman who didn't ever talk about dating in her act, then, then everything was fine. But when, uh, but when people started to realize what was going on, I, I think that's, that has more to do with it than, than anything else. I, I vividly remember her early days and I thought she was like, make you cry funny mm-hmm. because she was, she was so dry. Yeah. She was so dry and had a great delivery. Yeah. Now, I think she can t- I think she um she can trace that back to Bob Newhart. Sure. That that delivery sure. and stuff like that and uh Bob Newhart should should definitely be on this list. He's definitely in my top 10 for sure. Bob Newhart is beautiful. Uh King uh, of the talking on the phone with nobody yeah, on the that, other side. Yeah, that that whole bit is I I think that whole bit is amazing because when you think about it the punchlines of those, and I will only talk about uh, Bob Newhart for a second here because I think Paula deserves yes. it. But the whole, the whole greatest thing about his phone bits are the punchlines are in your brain and not what he is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What he is yeah. saying sets up your brain to fill in the blank, and that fill in the blank is the yeah. punchline, and you die. You absolutely so brilliant. die yeah. on that, yeah. right? Um, and, and I think that's super, super brilliant, but yeah, Paul Poundstone's again, very smart. Um, and that dry delivery and that sort of like, uh, like, okay, here's what Paula Poundstone is. She's in the back of the class with a smirk on her face, live riffing the world. You know, again, this goes back mm-hmm. yeah. to my idea of, of, of riffing and MST3K, and MST3K yeah. being so huge to me. But, uh, you know, you look back and I, I liked the idea of it being like she's she's smarter than society. She gets it. She's poking fun at the things that she sees. And she's it's letting done you in on a joke like, that nobody else gets. And... Right, right, right. Here's something you never thought of and blah, blah, blah. And what she's doing is she's she's sort of elbowing you in the ribs and giving you like the whole. uh what about that? You know, or like, hey, take a mm-hmm. look at that. Can you can you believe this or whatever? And you know, was she was she very dirty? I don't remember no. specifics now. No. Like, like, she's not. Uh, she's not dirty my, at all. My my favorite memories of her is not stand up. It's on the wait, television wait. show Home Movies. Oh, I love yes. love her on Home Movies. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I also, I mean, for. For gener- I think for at least a generation of people, wait, wait, don't tell me might be how they know. Absolutely. Paula yeah. She's fabulous and funny there, too. She's very witty. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, Paula Poundstone um, absolutely positively deserves uh, uh, to be on this list. Like I, I I was sitting there just trying to think of uh, of like all the different, you know, comedians, you know, and I could think of like, you know, Judy Tenuta. Um, and oh, I love Judy. Judy Gold is also uh, Judy Gold is also exce- exceedingly funny. Um, uh, Joan Rivers is funny. I can't stand her, but Joan Rivers. I think Joan. Is... I think Joan Rivers is a hilariously beautiful comedian who decided to do a bit about fashion, and that's what most people remember her right now. But I think I think Joan Rivers, the comedian, is a little bit different than Joan Rivers, the the e entertainment fashion person and i think yeah, she I, did, I think she just did a bit i think i think i think joan I rivers liked her, fashion uh, and uh, didn't mind making fun of people and everyone was like this no, is great no, no i don't i don't think of that cuz i didn't see that much i think more of her days of taking over for johnny when he was out oh, and yeah. that's that's my joan rivers and i I, I, I thought she did. I think I I feel bad. Well, I think she didn't do good. It just never cared never, for. Never cared for it. Yeah, you don't her. like women. I understand. Uh, you don't like women to be in control, Rob. Um, you certainly. Don't well, like I, I'd say she, you know. I understand. That's why you voted for Trump in 2016. We all know. You just can't imagine 3 a.m. You want a man in charge of the phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like I like Paul again. Paula Poundstone had a great voice. Again, she was she was not dirty. Everything she did was fairly clean. I, like I mean, you know, it got into adult. She was very topics. nasally too, and I think that yeah. uh, that also that also added to her dry delivery. 
Like she's also that, tall with those big shoulder pads and those oh, early eighties. Yes. The shoulder like, pads, she was always yes. in those shoulder pads. And I think about this tall woman almost hunching, like she's it, yeah. got these shoulder pads, and she did everything. And she'd she always could sit on a stool, yeah, uh, it, yeah, and just and like, be like kinda, just. Yeah, again, quiet and just being like, uh, yeah, okay, here. Like softball pitches of yeah, jokes. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I love that. I love that about her. And I, I loved, uh, I, she, yeah, she made me laugh a whole hell of a lot. Uh, let's, let's, Let's move on to these people that I feel like I should mention, but are well, not again, I've got a list of of honorable mentions that I so we're good. Yeah, okay. you, you do it, you do you, then I'll do honorable mentions. All right, well, here's here's my honorable mentions right now too. So we'll do yours in a second here, and then we'll get to my okay. number one. Uh, uh, Pat Oswald, obviously, we we talked a little bit about him. Um, Did you see his most recent? I shouldn't say most recent, the one right after his wife had passed, and he was telling the story about his daughter. Yeah. And God, gut wrenching, gut wrenching, yeah, you know, wrenching. funny right to that point. But then that. Yeah. OK, yeah. And, and what I mean, there, there's an artist who recognizes everyone here knows what happened to me. Yeah. And I got to tell this story. I own this mm-hmm. story and she would want me to own this story. And uh, it's great. Uh, Mel and I saw him right before the pandemic at uh, Clusterfest in San Francisco. We got to see the whole. Have you seen his Denny's bit? I think that's on his latest one. Yeah, we saw yeah. him do the Denny's bit, and I think it was pretty early on that version of it. And it always made—I mean, it made me laugh so fucking hard, so fucking hard. Um, yeah, Patton Oswalt okay. is 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 absolutely great. Um, uh, I mean, I'm going to look back. If you look back at my the the records on the wall, Steve Martin. Um, Steve Martin's standup was different and weird. Um, Steve Martin might have been my number one. I don't know. Uh, he's really great. He's an honorable mention only just because I feel like, um, where do you put him in? Yeah. Where do I put him in? But I, I feel like Steve Martin did stand up for uh, a couple of years and then moved on to everything else. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I, he's a brilliant, you don't think sta- of him as a stand up. I don't think of him. I don't think of him. I don't think of him as a stand up anymore. I think of him as a writer. And I think the stand up was just him giving his, his comedy, his almost sketches, his, his, uh, his writing a voice, but, uh, that's where I think uh, of Steve Martin. I, I've got Bob Newhart on the wall as well back there. Uh, I've got Red Fox albums uh, over there. I think Amy Schumer sticks out, um, and this might be controversial too. I know there are people who say that she stole her jokes or whatever. Here's what I loved. I loved Amy Schumer from the moment I saw her. I think she had a half-hour special or whatever. Um, there, are, there were women who were doing sort of sex jokes before, but no one leaned into the I'm a bit of a slut, but I'm going to make that a good thing like Amy Schumer did when she did it. That's fair. That's fair. And then you get like uh, what's her name? Uh, Schlesinger. You know, you get you get women who've come after Amy and in, in, in maybe even not so far behind Amy that that kind of do that. But uh, but I really liked Amy's voice as a woman. Um, doing jokes that seemed like men would be doing them, but making them very feminine and very real. I also really, really respect uh, Amy Schumer on a lot of different other levels. Um, you know, a guy shot up a fucking theater during her movie, a movie that she worked very hard of, and it devastated her. And then she took, like, the next time she went out on tour, she decided to take 15 minutes of every fucking hour-long, uh, you know, thing, even in places like Nebraska, and Texas and talk about how gun violence is fucking crazy and how much it, it upset her that something that she worked so hard on and blood, sweat and tears and was so excited for got marred forever because of a crazy person with a gun. And why do we allow Mm -hmm. crazy people in this country to have guns? There's a lot of things about Amy Schumer. I, I really, really, really like Nikki Glazier. I like her a lot too. And it's not just because I want to fuck her. No, I want to. I want to make that one hundred percent clear. One, I do, no, Nikki. If you're listening, absolutely. But ass. when you see, but when she's you see somebody that funny. can, she's, when, when she quiets everybody during those roasts because yeah. she is sharp. She she's is so, so sharp, so amazing, super funny. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of insulting. She's as attractive as she is. Uh huh. Oh yeah, it's unfair. It's like it's it's, 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 it's like. 
you know, kind of fuck you a little bit. You should. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. The rest of us trolls who are out here trying to do comedy are only funny because we're not good looking. Fuck you for being good. It's like it's like I hate it's like it's also how I hate it when musicians are funny. I hate that. I hate that. So you know what? No. Okay, Mitch Town, you're a fucking incredible jazz organist. Zip it you on get the one quips. Thing. You get one thing. You get yeah, one yeah. thing, and that's I, I got my one thing. You don't see me picking up a harmonica because I can't. <laughs> I got one fucking thing, and that's all I got. In my you know. So do, yeah. Do you have any more honorable mentions? Oh, Mitch Hegbert. Uh, I should say yeah. Uh, if yeah, you I like, Mitch. If, if, Mitch if, if is you one like, of my all-time favorites. If myself. you like joke writers. Um, Here's a guy, here's a guy from Omaha. He's the king of the puns, and and he was not dirty. No, absolutely not. I, I yeah, Mitch Hedberg is amazing, amazing. If you like Mitch Hedberg, um, there's a guy called Zach Reinhardt, uh, who was from Omaha. He now is based out of Denver. He's got a he's got an album called Boatload of Jokes. Um, he's really one of the only people that I you know saw at like open mics or whatever that I immediately went. Uh, this guy is so much more talented than anyone within four or five states. This guy is fucking incredible. Um, if you haven't yet, it's on like iTunes. I know you can find it. I think you can find it on Spotify if you're still doing that after Joe Rogan. I don't know. Boatload of jokes. Uh, Zach Reinhart. It's fuck, it's fucking good. Is, is that your Joe Rogan's on your list? I <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually though I actually Carlos Mencia beats Joe Rogan on my list because I you know I uh I like the original material from other people I'll save it for later I'll save it for later but um so uh I mean yeah I'm I'm trying to you know I'm trying okay well here here let me before you you get to your your, number one yeah well no 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 just before you get to your number one I'm not going to read the list because I still want to hear your number one first okay but we have lost some some important comedians uh, as recently as last week with I love the amazing Jonathan oh absolutely the amazing Jonathan was I as a kid he was the first prop comic that I loved and he, I, I still think he's more magician than prop comic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but I still, to this day, I I stole a joke from him, and that is, I like to drink Windex and run around naked. It prevents streaking. It's the best joke in the world. It's right. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. Yeah, amazing. Jonathan is absolutely incredible. Have you seen the? Uh, have you seen the documentary? documentary. I have not yet. I have okay. not. I'm afraid to because I, I have a feeling it's really sad. It is fucking sad, bro. <laughs> that guy struggled hard. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, I mean, uh, John Mulaney was just uh, hosting Saturday Night Live is also very brilliant. And um, and has also I, had sex with Olivia Munn. And yes. Yeah. I, so. And that's. And has proof. I've. There's one I want. Like I don't want to name one and accidentally knock off your number one or something. So it's like, why so don't you, you tell want, me your number yeah, one? Okay, uh, me, here it is. Come here, number one. Then I'll go down the list. Born in a whorehouse, transcends just about everything. It's Richard Pryor, my favorite. Really? Okay. My favorite okay. bisexual black comedian of all time, and and probably one of my favorite stand-ups of all time. Richard Pryor again has a very gr- a unique and great voice. I think. He does a fucking stand-up special after lighting himself on fire and almost dying rebase. Oh, I'm glad you covered your uh, microphone. We barely heard that. Did it, yeah, did it not work? Okay. Just, just cough. It's fine. Uh, I'll edit it in post. Uh, no, I think I think that was one of the most. Um, I, I think that was one of the most honest bits of uh, of stand-up ever. I love Richard Pryor. Um, I think Richard Pryor's jokes are hilarious. I think they transcend. It's amazing for um, it's amazing for a stand-up to be quintessentially in his race. Right? He's a black comedian. He will always be a black comedian first. He will always have a uh, a perspective because he's lived a very hard life that is almost entirely unique to African-Americans, right? He lives that life. He comes out of that background and he does this stuff. And yet he does comedy that transcends that at times and just really cuts to the human experience, just the very base human experience. And um, that, that reaches across where white people love him just as much. Right. 
but never, mm. never, never sacrifices the blackness yeah. of his of his of his message. If you're a white person listening to Richard Pryor comedy, you're laughing, but you can't you can't help to also start to get an empathetic feeling of what it was like for his his upbringing and his life and what he's kind of talking about. Um, and yeah, Richard Pryor to me is just absolutely um, when when you said it, the first name I wrote down was Richard Pryor. I was like, oh, Richard Pryor, this is done. I, I think when you look at Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's not Eddie Murphy without Richard Pryor. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think honestly you can you can say that about after Dave Chappelle's all the all, yeah. and it's not even just African American. I mean, I'm a actual no. You know, every bit of stand up owes something to the way. Now you can say something like, oh, you know, the most influential stand up comedian maybe is Lenny Bruce because he changed the way stand up comedy was. It isn't sure. just Catskills comedians setting up punchline, setting up punchline, and never talking about anything. Lenny Bruce does that. But to me, Lenny Bruce does that, and Richard Pryor does it somehow in a more beautiful way. And again, like George Carlin, Richard Pryor starts off playing that sort of role. He's playing a Bill Cosby too, right? He's mm-hmm. he's following in Bill Cosby's footsteps, and he's playing Bill. Co- he's playing rooms... He's doing the he's doing he's doing the Chitlin circuit, but he's also able to get on television and do a couple of television spots because he has a very white bread act. And then he just stops giving a shit about that white bread act. Mm-hmm. Because he realizes young white people I, don't I got him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What young white people want to hear the same stuff I'm doing on the Chitlin circuit, which is even you know um, but I think, yeah, I think Richard Pryor is great. Um and I got uh, I think I got like two of his albums uh, over there right now. Uh, the problem with me is this: like, I I was trying to think of, <laughs> I was desperately trying to think of Bill Hicks's album that I owned for so many years, and I can't remember what that one was. I can't remember yeah. the actual Richard Pryor ones. The only reason I know uh, Bob Newhart's albums is because literally one's behind me, and they're all named <laughs> the same thing, right? Uh, you know. Bob Newhart named his like first four albums, the button down mind, you know, or whatever. Those are the only albums that I I can remember. It's not because they were the most impactful. It's literally that they're easy to remember or whatever. Um, But Richard Pryor, I think is, is hands down one of the greatest, greatest comedians. uh, And, and, and honestly, one of the greatest um, artists ever to be produced by America. Um, (laughs) And I think George Carlin, I mean, really, if I was doing this by impact or whatever, it would be probably Richard Pryor, George Carlin for me. Uh, then maybe Bill Hicks, uh, Dana Gould, and, and, and Paula Poundstone at number five, if you were going to do this list by, like, most impactful or whatever. I think some of my um, I think some of my honorable mentions, however, though, are also exceedingly uh, impactful. You'll notice that Joel Hodgson, as a stand-up comic, even though he created MST3K, does not make my list because Joel Hodgson, as a stand-up comedian, isn't as important as the the, no, genre no. the show that he made. And and uh, you know some of the best, I think, like uh, Robin Williams uh, was a brilliant stand-up comedian, but his true comedy impact, I think, came from other things. Uh, I think, yeah, I. I have mixed feelings about Robin Williams, honestly. I think Robin Williams is an improviser first and foremost. He was a lone improviser. I think he got on stage and created this idea of this. Yeah, he was a character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think, I think honestly, Robin Williams, by no fault of his own. But do you want to know a true story? When I do improv, I don't watch comedy the whole day. I watch I get nothing it. I get it. comedic <laughs> because anyway. you don't want to all of a sudden absorb, I don't absorb and, and reject. And that's what, you know, people talk about Robin Williams stealing people's acts. And I don't think it was malice. I think he just honestly, no, would he just absorbed everything. Yeah. And... He regurgitated things that he thought was funny or they came into his mind and he didn't filter them correctly. Um, you know, he's not, uh, yeah, he's, you know, so, so anyway, let's, I mean, let's get to your honorable like, Well, like, I, like, I almost shouldn't say they're honorable mentions. I did a lot of research in looking for lists on names that I thought were important. Mm-hmm. And um, the one that I'm surprised I was betting going to be on your list was maybe a Brian Regan. 
Brian Regan is like uh, every comedian's favorite comedian. Uh, he was actually playing in the Bay Area uh, this weekend, oddly enough, and and somebody offered tickets. Uh, Brian, so I think Regan is one of those stand-ups who really understands what what it is to be a stand-up. Like he understands the process, he understands the formula. Um, he's amazing. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily counts to me though as um, as being like I I know he's. Every comedian who's ever talked about Ryan Regan talks about how, oh my God, watch Brian Regan's act and you'll see exactly how to do an act. It's the perfect template of stand-up comedy. Um, and I think that's fantastic, but I don't necessarily, uh, and I don't necessarily fault him, but he, he just doesn't draw me in the way that some of the other people do. But I do suggest if you are a fan of stand-up comedy and you've never seen Brian Regan, you should definitely see him because it is brilliant he he knows how to hit jokes but and he's super clean super he's clean. on yeah he's on my top five he is uh, of of to the if they're on i will stop what i'm doing and watch right even if i've seen the even if i've seen that special three times yeah i will watch him again every time yeah mulaney is another one like that yeah um okay here i'll just read the list of names that dave Chappelle, which you at least briefly mentioned yeah jerry no, seinfeld dave yeah dave Chappelle is uh is Man, again, Dave Chappelle to me, like I'm mad at Dave Chappelle. I, I think I, I think Dave Chappelle has some growth he needs to make right now about trans people. I think Dave Chappelle thinks that his black experience uh, is something that needs to be addressed before anyone else gets their fair share. And I think that everyone should be rising up together. And, uh, and so I, I think that this whole idea that he's somehow mad at trans folks for getting more rights than he gets faster or something is is a weird argument uh dave Chappelle is a brilliant writer i most of his netflix series i mean it's weird up until the last one uh most of the netflix series were were things that i loved i love 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 and love watching him love watching his process love watching his writing but right now um he's a little problematic for me i'll be honest with you because i feel like dave needs to listen to his own preachiness a little bit and understand that um it's not a, a not a thing of like Black folk deserve to get their their rights first, or their their comeuppance first, or or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think everybody deserves to be pulled up. So, anyway, go on. Okay, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was Jerry, on this list. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite dudes who's into fucking teenagers. <laughs> he at least married her. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is not. <laughs> Uh, so, I no. know. Uh, you know, he's he's very good. He did that. Uh, his last stand up. I watched his last stand up that he did. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's good. He's good. Uh, Chris Rock. I, I think Chris Rock is right there with like, I think Chris Rock is funnier than Eddie Murphy. He is. And, Absolutely. And, as a stand up, well, I know like, Chris Rock is funnier than Eddie Murphy was. Yep. I think Chris Rock is a lousy actor, though, because right. <laughs> yeah, he every, is, everything I've ever seen him in, he's playing Chris Rock acting as Chris Rock. Except it's, it's, the Reebok turkey. Uh, just pump it on SNL. Oh, that's right. So just pump it. Yeah. Pump it up. Just pump that's it. That's the best. That's the best comedic acting Chris Rock has ever done. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I, I fully agree with you. I think Chris Rock is better than Eddie Murphy. Absolutely. And in a, in a, in a um, Eddie Murphy's on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, Robin Williams on the list. Louis C.K. Bill Hicks. Don Rickles is the name. That oh shit! Don Rickles, also known as Bob Newhart's best friend. Don Rickles is a fantastic insult comic, and he gets what you can insult about and what you can't insult about. Uh -huh. And it uh -huh. comes from a place where you know deep down he's he's poking fun at shit. But he doesn't mean it. There's not a fucking evil bone in that man's body. Yeah, I love. I Don saw. Rickles. I saw one of his last appearances before he passed, and I want to say it was something where he was he was speaking to a bunch of comedians, and I, it might have been a political event of some sort, mm -hmm. and he was saying just scandalous things about everybody there, and then he sat down and had a very heartfelt moment of, "Look, I hope you all know." I'm a character, and yeah. and and it was and it was yeah. super heartfelt, and it was kind of like I've never seen him actually say kind of like, "Look, I'm not sorry, but I'm not a mean person." Right? Yeah. Like, no, I think Don Rickles also understood before he passed that times had changed, and that kind of comedian 
just doesn't fucking work anymore. I, people, yes. to be honest, I think people don't get the joke of it. I, I think the mm-hmm. thing about Don Rickles is he's poking fun at people who live their life in that sort of way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's a caricature of a bigot. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. And everybody, everyone, everyone in equal turn gets made fun of. Mm-hmm. Now, Rob, Rodney I will tell Danger. you, I will tell you, we're, we're, getting, out we're running out of time. So, but okay. uh, I think I'll, this I'll is admit, fine. I'll listen. Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, Dangerfield is amazing. Uh, I, I love Rodney Dangerfield. Probably should have been at least in my honorable mentions. I thought okay. about him for no other reason than Dangerfield's uh, in the Young Comedian special uh, were things that he did. He, oh, he created absolutely. A, he yeah, created yeah. his own comedy club to help people get up there. Young comedian Ronnie Dangerfield's Young Comedian special is great. If you've ever watched, there's this a video probably on YouTube. Just just type uh, like uh, just type uh, Rodney Dangerfield uh, Carson. Can't. That is where Andrew Dice Clay got his start, though. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield on Johnny Carson in this bit where Johnny Carson and him are going tete a tete for a little bit there, and then oh, yeah. and then Rodney Dangerfield just keeps coming. It's just joke after joke after joke after joke to the point where fucking Carson is like, I I'm just gonna sit back and watch because this is amazing. <laughs> so love Rodney Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright's Wright's great yeah what a unique voice and very uh, yeah very funny Steve Martin's on this list Kevin Hart is on this list Bill Burr Bill Burr is pretty good I really like I like I like Bill Burr in the same way that I think you have you were mentioning I forget which comedian where it's like I feel like he does the same thing where he's pulling in the the conservatives right and kind of has an underlying liberal message yeah even oh, though yeah. he doesn't he doesn't like although yeah I, yeah he, again he's a liberal who hates hippies he yes. has no time yeah. for the soft stuff and and anything like that he's going to give that to you he'll get he kind of hates ever i i like bill burr a lot i yeah he's he's pretty good i don't know if like <clears throat> he's not one of my absolute favorites but i i do think bill burr deserves to be up there he's good Phyllis Diller, yeah. Ed, Ed, Eddie Izzard, Jim yeah. Gaffigan, Bernie Mac. Oh yeah, one Wanda Sykes. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's a here's a real big one. Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters. I remember as a kid was. Oh he was, yeah, and I think that goes. I I think honestly, look, uh, Robin Williams is not Robin Williams without Jonathan Winters. Absolutely, yeah. yeah just, Sam Kennison. Sam Kennison uh, is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Sam Kennison was. We wouldn't have Bobcat Goldwave if we didn't have Sam. Kennison. I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, I feel like Bob. I feel like Bobcat unfortunately got into that character for all those years in a, I think, I think Bobcat Goldthwaite is a much smarter comedian than oh, that he's, character. He's now when you watch very, him, very we funny. watch him now, he's, he's, he's able to do his act without doing that bullshit. But that's what I think. One yeah. of the things I always look out for is comedians who are doing characters on the stage never last very long and they never get out of those characters. Paul Rubens though. Paul Rubens seems to have found some kind of life with that, a second life. I uh, look, Pee Wee Herman again comes out of the groundlings that that's an improv thing. That's to me is Pee Wee Herman is sketch and improv. And that's a little bit different than stand up. But he lived that character. He lived that character for a long time because that's what everyone wanted him to be. It's like mm. it's like being Leonard Nimoy, right? You gotta you gotta be fucking Spock right. all the time because that's what people okay. want. Okay, don't comment. I'm just gonna list them so okay. we can get out of here. Okay. Andy Kaufman. Uh Gary yeah. Gary Shandling. Oh, Sarah Silverman. Yes. On a Norm MacDonald. I love uh, yeah. Norm MacDonald. I love fantastic. Norm MacDonald. Um, uh, Mort Shaw. I have no idea who Mort oh, Shaw is. Uh, yeah. Shaw, I, yeah. Shaw. He's, he's, he's a little bit older for you, but yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. For yeah. me. I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Dick yeah, but Gregory. what I'm saying is, do, do you, do you, do you, are you a big study the, the of common... 60s and 50s stand-ups? No, no. Yeah. So there you go. Roseanne Barr. Yeah, Lewis yeah. Black, yeah. Lewis Black, Albert Brooks. Oh, Albert Brooks. Fucking yeah. yeah. Watch Fox, also watch Jeff. Albert Brooks on in Carson. There's this great thing where Albert Brooks is like, "Do you even give?" You're like, there's this great bit where Albert Brooks comes on and he's like, "Do you even care when you ask these questions? Do you even care what the answer?" <laughs> to Johnny Carson, it's beautiful. And then Johnny Carson's like, "You know, I don't." <laughs> this bit. All right, go on. Sorry. 
Jeff Foxworthy. I had to uh, of, of yeah. all of all those blue collar. I like Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I like Jeff. But yeah. Yeah. again, Larry the uh, Cable Guy. That's an act. Also, he doesn't think vaccines are fucking real. So yeah. Aziz and sorry, I love Aziz. Aziz is good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna stop there. I think uh, I. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a lot, and you know, there's a lot of people that. We can go on and yeah. on and on. And I know I'm leaving. I know I'm leaving things out. But there's I mean, look, are there, there's great comedians and then there's comedians that are super impactful for generations to come. And, you know, some of the people in there are not necessarily great for you because you didn't say like Janine Garofalo. Like I would I would say Janine Garofalo before Sarah Silverman. Do I like Sarah Silverman? Really? I like Sarah Silverman a lot. Um, but I like Margaret Cho and Janine Garofalo a little bit more. And I think they um, like I think Sarah Silverman's cute as hell, and that's why she's more popular than Janine Garofalo and, and Margaret Cho ever got to be. I, 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 that's not taking away from Sarah Silverman at all. But I'm saying mass market it. Why wouldn't you go with the the cute face and the big naturals as opposed to Janine Garofalo's angry? you know, look that she had. And Janine Garofalo had some minor success in the fucking late nineties. Uh, right. With uh, grunge and with uh, gen X's and dogs and cats, and, the and, dogs and cats. Yeah. Move. But I mean, you know, where, where she was a, a cave troll to Irma Thurman. Yeah. Right? Uma Th- yeah. 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 The beauty and the beast almost like it was like, oh, Cyrano, yeah. it's, it's Cyrano de Vergiac is a dog, totally, but cats and dogs, but it's a really weird movie. It's a, it's a really weird movie, but yeah, it's exactly the, the funny, smart, charming one is ugly, and the vapid one gets the guy for a while because she's yeah. beautiful, but she doesn't have the depth the uh, the ugly one has. It's Cyrano de Bergerac uh, right there. So yeah. anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Rob, um, I think clearly we see that I'm the winner here. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, will, uh, we will end things with you saying our sign-off, a sign-off that uh, has been uh, printed and reprinted on uh, T-shirts, greeting cards. Uh, it is the closing button to our first live comedy album that we did uh, back in 1968. We were produced by the same folks that brought the Firesign Theater to, uh, to Mass Appeal. Uh, Rob, what is, that, uh, what is that closing statement? Well, excuse me! Oh.